something like 36. What? Something like 36? Oh, your voice. Wait, wait, what is that anyway, something like 36? Does that include me? Um, 37. I'm 37? I'm going to class. Oh, my God. 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark, and joining me on today's episode is Marilyn Gigliotti, the star who plays Ronica in one of my favourite films, Clerks. Now if you'd listened to Mark and Me before today, you'll know just how much of a fan I am of Kevin Smith. I actually launched this podcast because of him. I used to listen to Smogcast regularly, and he's the actual reason I picked up a microphone and started recording myself and it was an absolute pleasure to launch this podcast with him as my very first guest. But since then, I've interviewed Brian O'Halloran from Clerks, I've interviewed Jason Muse from Clerks, so to know now that I'm going to be joined by Marilyn is an absolute dream come true, and I can't wait to share this interview with you very, very shortly. But in true Mark and Me fashion, let's just touch base on the last episode. So I was joined by my favourite photographer on the planet, Lindsay Burns, and the response, as always, blew me away. I actually thought when I put it out, will people tune in and want to hear from a photographer? Was I wrong? Yeah, everybody wanted to tune in. It's one of my most downloaded episodes to date. The response was insane. I loved how people were tweeting and including Lindsay in the tweets, and I know she's read them all and has been blown away by the response. We've been chatting a lot over email, and she really, really is very touched by all the people that listened, but more importantly, all the people that took the time to feed back to her and just how positive everyone was about her interview. So thanks again for everyone that tuned in and took the time to listen. So as I said at the start of today's episode, I'm joined by Marilyn Gigliotti, and I'm really, really thrilled with this interview. It's very intimate, it's very honest, and at times it is very deep. So I warn you now, it's not your standard Mark and Me interview, it does get very emotional. But let's get straight to it. So here's me and Marilyn talking all things film. Thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, what I wanted to do is take it right back to the start, so when you were growing up. Obviously I know that you're a makeup artist, a hairstylist, but also an actress. But what was it you wanted to be when you were actually growing up as a kid? The funny thing is that I didn't know, and I didn't know that I had options either. Um, but the one thing that I did know was that I was creative because I'd always be either kind of doodling, trying to um, imitate certain drawings that I would see and little caricatures. I was drawn to watching the movies on TV, the musicals. I wanted to dance. I wanted ballet lessons. So I was very drawn to the creative arts. And even though you grow up seeing all this, people doing it, I did not know that that was an option for me to do. I'm first generation in the States from Puerto Rican parents who grew up just living day to day, you know, in poverty, you know, they, 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 they grew up in poverty. Um, they, they also didn't know that they could give us options. Yes. You know, uh, a parent I feel will always want their children to do better than, you know, it's like they, they, they're, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so she worked at home. Dad went out. He provided for the family. And so they just wanted to make sure that they provided for us and that we'd then be able to provide for ourselves and, and to have job security and all that. So when you were at school, obviously you were very fortunate to be going to school. What were the lessons that you were enjoying the most? Because obviously that sh- helped kind of shape your career and what you were going to do later in life. I was a shy, very shy child in school. Yeah. Uh, so I basically just kind of went to school, attended because I had to be there, and and, and 
but it's not like I had a favorite subject or anything like that. Um, you know, I had some some great teachers along the way, and I, uh, other times I just strictly was, you know, just a body in the school, in the classroom. You know, it just really depended on the on the teacher that I had at the time. But I, I honestly, it's like I. Academics was not my thing either. Uh, I was a C average student. <laughs> yeah. At what age was it that you thought, you know, you wanted to give acting a go and get involved in the makeup side of the business and that sort of career move? Well, when I was in high school, um, the school that I attended actually did have a, a cosmetology training uh, area. But um, one of the requirements for that was having to take... Um, biology where you would have to dissect a frog and I was not about to take a class where I had to dissect anything just to learn to train as a cosmetologist so mixed that idea so it was not until after I graduated got married had my daughter decided not to go back to uh, my nine-to-five job that I then went to cosmetology school and that's where, for me, I feel I kind of got a little bit more academic, uh, where I exceeded in academics a little bit, um, because I was interested in what it was that I was learning as a cosmetologist, you know, learning what I needed to do for hair and makeup. Um, and then uh, once I got my license and I was working for quite a bit, then, well, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, and <laughs> I got a divorce. And then once I got a divorce, it's when I was kind of trying to find myself, um, although, uh, just to backtrack a little bit, when I started working in a, in a particular salon, one of the girls there uh, did take dance lessons. And so I took my first dance class ever and where the teacher even asked it's like oh you've had lessons before and I said nope I have not so that just kind of you know it speaks to the inner child in me it's like oh my god I could have been so much better it's like if I had actually taken lessons when I was younger but you know life is what it is and you take it you, you take it as it comes along so but then um as I mentioned I I got a divorce and so I was looking for an outlet, looking for something, and that's eventually how I found myself um, taking acting classes and then finding myself on stage. And once I was on stage for that first time, I was just like, oh, yeah, I need to do something with this. And the more I did it, the more passionate I got about it. And and so, yeah, leads leads us to where we are today. <laughs> So was it quite hard juggling being a mother, going through the divorce, obviously doing this as a second chance, really, your education again, and then trying to get into the, the film school and the drama and trying to get acting roles? It must have been really hard to juggle all those sort of things at once. Absolutely, it was. Uh, when I had my daughter, my mom was basically my babysitter, so that was always nice. And then once I did get divorced, then I basically moved back home and so I had that live-in <laughs> babysitter and uh, you know had it not been for her you know a lot of it would not have been possible it, you know it's quite nice that I, I was able to do that. So at what point was it that you kind of thought this is it now I want to do acting it's definitely something that's you know like you said that moment you're on stage you felt it you knew that was what you wanted at what point was it that it actually kind of became reality that you could be in a film and you could get involved in more and more film scripts and, you know, get an agent and find out how to get these jobs? Well, before auditioning for Clerks, it was strictly all community theatre. And I I didn't know whether there was going to be anything beyond that. I didn't think of it anything beyond that. I was just going on the momentum of what was happening at the at the moment. I heard about the auditions for a kid making a film, and this was this is how it was actually proposed to me. Um, and I went to the auditions, got got the role. Kevin called me, and so I would have to say that it was more the momentum of what was happening with Clerks that then fueled the fire to see well maybe i can make something of this and 
And it, obviously, you know, once it fuels that fire, then then you really want to to make something of it. And and you know, it's it's not been an easy road. I mean, the fact that I was not seasoned to be able to to harness the opportunity that I was given, yep, is unfortunate. Um, because I was still so green, and. Yes, I had been doing community theater for um, probably three, four years before doing Clerks, because that that basically was the first film. Um, But had I, say, been doing at least some film work and preparing myself for the fact that now, oh, now I've really got this big role. Now I know how. Now I know how to work it to my advantage, so that it, hopefully that leads to other work. But I didn't know that, and and so this is why I find myself still pounding the pavement, trying to trying to make something of it, making it a career, versus um, having to have a a few side jobs to be able to survive the many survival jobs to sustain myself. Uh, you know, versus having a, a, a live, making a career as an actress. Obviously, landing the role in Clerks was a huge, huge deal, and this film now is a cult classic, and it deserves to be. And I've interviewed Kevin, Jason, Brian, many people that have been involved in this film, but I was curious about how it came about for you. Did you see an advert in a local paper? Did you know someone? Was there a friend that got you the audition? How did it come about for you to get this part of Veronica? So at the time, I was in rehearsals for another play in a different town nearby. Okay. And the community theater circuit out there is pretty small, so everybody kind of knew each other. And so the rounds did kind of go around that, oh, uh, there's going to be auditions held for this film that this kid is doing over at the Atlantic Highlands Playhouse. And so they were going to be on a certain night, so make sure you go and audition. And so that's how I found out about it. And can you remember, like, what it was like turning up? Was there a lot of people there? Did you feel really pressured? Like you said, it was your first role that would be, you know, making and hopefully breaking you. But at the same time, it was huge. Obviously, at the time, you didn't realise it would have that much of an impact in the film industry. But going along to that audition, can you remember what your state of mind was like? There were quite a few people there. Most of them were, as I call them, looky-loos. <laughs> okay. Um, but for me, it because it was being held at one of the local community theaters, and even though it was for a film, because it the, the, the way that it was brought up was, it's like, oh, this kid making a film for his school project – there wasn't quite as much pressure for me. It just felt like I was going to another audition and another, uh, you know, for another community theater project or something like that. So I didn't feel the pressure of of the audition there for that as much as I did much later on when um, we were given the opportunity to audition for Mallrats. That audition was not the audition that I, I mean, that's the one that I remember it being the absolute worst because of the circumstances. So just touching base a little bit more on Clerks before we talk about Morats. Obviously you landed the role, which is a huge achievement. Um, What was it like the first day on set when you turned up? Because obviously you'd read the script and it's quite raunchy and some of your lines are very iconic and obviously quite Mm -hmm. filthy. So were you thinking, oh my God, like I don't don't want my parents to see this and what are my friends going to say? Or did you just think at the time, no one's going to see this anyway, so it's fine? No, I I, I had none of those thoughts at all, actually. Um, Was I nervous? Yes, because, uh, you know, obviously Kevin's dialogue is dialogue heavy. <laughs> Just a bit. So there, there was that fear of remembering the lines. We only had so much film, and so it's not like theater where it's like you just, well, actually on the stage, yeah, you, you you don't do it over or anything like that. But but we can only do it over so many times because there were there was only so much film. So you wanted to get it as right as possible on the first try. And I mean, it was it was great for the fact that. We did have rehearsals, but but for me, more than anything, the fear was just 
don't screw up the lines. Um, and because that for me, even to this day, is in my head. If I say certain lines and I'm like, no, that that wasn't right, then then I kind of get a little um, frustrated with myself and um, flub up the lines and, and and things like that because I know that wasn't right, and so I because I, I try to get it so perfect. One of the first things that drew me to Clerks, which I enjoyed so much, was the chemistry that you and Brian had, and obviously the the character of Veronica and Dante were just brilliant. You know that. That you relate to them. You've all been with someone like that in a relationship, and you know how to talk to each other. And can you remember the first time you kind of had rehearsals with Brian, and your relationship's still strong now? You do conventions together, and you're good friends, and it must be really nice. But can you remember the first time you met him, and he was a stranger at the time? Brian and I actually had history before Clerks because we have done community theater together prior to Clerks. Oh, nice. So that's that's the chemistry that you guys see. On <laughs> yeah. Um, I first saw Brian at the First Avenue Playhouse where the auditions were held. Um, I don't recall how many years prior to that, uh, but I had seen him in a play of Dracula, and he was playing Renfield, and I was very much taken with his performance. Uh, cut to I don't not even sure how long. After that, where uh, we did a play together called Wait Until Dark. And uh, so he was trying to kill me while he was looking for a doll that a neighbor uh, had, and a little girl that was a neighbor, but I played a blind woman in the play. Um, so, and then after we did that, and then, you know, we've gotten to know each other, now we're friends, and then we do another play together, um, and I, actually, I think it was after Clerks, uh, that we did uh, an autobiographical play by a mutual friend of ours who's since passed, and it was about apartheid, so he played my brother in that, so. <laughs> the chemistry that we have it's because we were such good friends and so that a lot of people see that and even, even to this day it's like we've gone to some conventions and people think that we're a couple because we have such a great relationship it's amazing it's great to see and it, it works so well and it's uh, it's something that you want to see again and again because you you are you're just like this perfect yeah this perfect couple it's it's, it's amazing thank you the first time you watched back Clerks and it was all finished, like you said, you were doing it for this kid who was local and you must have never believed when you were on set and filming it in this quick stop. You couldn't have thought that it would become the classic that it is now, that it would win awards, it would go to festivals because no no one surely could have seen that it would be that big, not even Kevin himself. For me, I, I can only speak for me, I, I wasn't thinking beyond what we were doing at the moment. Yeah. Ne- negatively or positively, you know, it, it, I I just was getting through and trying to enjoy the moment and, you know, taking on the experience that we were kind of getting during that whole situation. Even afterwards, when, when they cut it together, when we went to IFFM, when we saw it in the movie theater on the big screen, and me hating certain scenes that I was, or what I did with certain scenes, I should say, and then seeing it again later on, and it's like, oh, great, they cut out those scenes that I hated of me. So, yeah, for me, it was just taking on each experience as it came around. And not thinking beyond that until <laughs> Miramax actually bought it at Sundance. Yeah. Then, then it's like that's where my brain was kind of then speeding ahead. It's like, oh my god, what does that mean? What, 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 uh, what is going to happen? And 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 all that. And then it must have been incredible because you know that the, it really did blow up, and now it's in the top sort of ten cult classics of all time, and it it obviously gave Kevin a huge career and. It's it's amazing, you know. It's a it's a cult classic for a reason, and and it deserves to be. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned um, the Morats audition. What? Why was it so bad? What went wrong, or what? What didn't happen on the day that it kind of it left such a negative impact for you? So, uh, Kevin 
mentioned to us uh, like that we were going to get to audition for Mallrats. So he gave me the character that I was going to be auditioning for. Not that I can remember what that character or who that character was uh, at this point so long ago. But I do remember that now this, for me, this was my real audition in the real entertainment world where I have to go in for a casting director and impress the crap out of them uh, so that I can get actual an actual role in a big budget studio produced film. So yeah, the pressure was on. I went into that room and this and it was in the city. I went into this room. Kevin and Scott Moser were in there on the couch. The casting director, don't remember who it was. I went into the room. She asked me who was I, well, what character was I auditioning for. I told her. And then she got this look on her face of perplexion that had me questioning what, what, what. What's going on? What did I do wrong? What is it? And so she looks over at Kevin and Scott on the couch. Then she looks back at me. And so I'm just like wondering what is happening. I don't, is this, am I not supposed to be auditioning for this role? Well, this is the role I was told. These were the sides I was given. So I don't know what's going on. And um, after that, I really don't remember. But I'm sure I sucked. And because obviously I was never called to be on Mallrats. <laughs> but but surely because you'd had that relationship with Kevin, you'd been on set of his you know his debut film. That it seems weird that you'd kind of have to win him over again in an audition when you'd been such a crucial part to his first film. It doesn't make sense to me. That's only as an outsider, but it mean I just don't understand why you were kind of treated like that. If that makes sense. Well, I, I mean, the best that I can put together even for myself is this was a film that that was the money was coming from the studio yeah kevin was attached to direct it because he was given a picture deal how much say he had on the project i don't know yeah so so he may have won. I mean, could he maybe have put me in this small little rinky dink role? I don't know. Maybe he could have. Maybe maybe he maybe they didn't want him to. Um, but I mean, I know for sure if it was going to be um, something with some meat to the role, he would not have had the say. The people with the money were the ones that were going to have the say. Yeah, that makes sense. When I've been doing research and obviously I've looked back at your career and you see certain news articles and you see stuff that people write, but you never really know if to believe it. So now that I've got you here, one of the one of the things I read is that you were going to be offered one of the main parts in Chasing Amy. I don't, I don't know if that's true. It wasn't. It wasn't a main role. Uh, it was. It was playing the girlfriend of Joey Lauren Adams. So it was basically that one scene where they're at the bar. Yeah. And, you know, she's just making out with her girlfriend. So it was that scene. Um, And, yes, it was offered to me. Um, And, again, you know, um, as I was still green for Mallrats and I was still just as green for Chasing Amy and really was not comfortable with the role, to be honest. And not not that I have anything against gay or lesbian my brother's gay it's like i have many gay friends whatever it's like for me that that's kissing another woman was not something i felt comfortable with at the time um and i actually did get to meet joey lauren adams a few years ago in miami at a convention and uh it was my first time meeting her so brian introduced us and I said to her, it's like, hey, it's like, we almost got to work together. And she's like, we did. It's like, well, why didn't we? And I, I did not know what I was going to say. And the thing that just popped into my brain and popped out of my mouth was, it's like, I was afraid of challenges at that time. And, and when I said it, it was very true. Um, because I, after Clerks was bought, I had a fear of success. Because losing anonymity, 
losing your freedom. There was just, there was a lot that came with having success. And as much as I wanted to have that success and what was associated with it, the other things, the negative parts of it, were the things that scared me the most. And so it, it was it was um, a dis- process of discovery for myself. Like once I moved out here and working on my inner self and, and things like that, that I came to a point where I had to say to myself, what am I more afraid of? actually achieving my success or not achieving it at all and that kind of put me in a place where it's my aha moment and like all right I'm, I'm gonna have to get over these other fears and be able to challenge myself and not be afraid of those challenges that come along and what was the way that you mentally went about doing that? Because that's not just something you can do overnight. It takes time. It takes determination. It takes really a lot of skill and strength to change the mindset. So what did you do and what did you put in place to overcome this? Well, there were there were a lot of things that kind of made themselves available to me, whether it was coaches um, and um, there's a couple out, out here uh, where they teach coaching of it's called the inside game and where they show you ways of getting out of your own way to stop sabotaging yourself so but i mean it was it was it, it there were so many things it wasn't just even that there was just so many things that made themselves available to me and it was up to me whether to take advantage of those things that came into my view whether to take it or not so now looking back obviously turning down that part in chasing amy you don't regret it because it's a big positive has come from it hasn't it you've now been able to address how you wanted to be and you've become a completely kind of different person i suppose because you've 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 kind of addressed those the, the, the gaps that you wanted to fill really yeah, you know, yeah, it's funny because as you grow, you know, as, as far as aging as well as personally and all that, yeah, you, if you're human, yes, have regrets, but in another respect, you can't have regrets either because when you look back on it, you see that you've learned from it. Yeah. And so I I try not to live with regrets. Do I mean like I said, if we're 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 only human. So yes, we will always kind of look back it's like, "Oh, had I done this and had I done that." But it's like, "No." Uh and even when things that are impacting my life at the moment, when they're happening, I try to sit down with it. And look at it. It's like, what am I supposed to be learning from this? Why why is my life not where I want it to be? Why am I... So what am I learning from this? And, yeah. I mean, at the moment, um, you know, because uh, a few years ago, I, I, I had a traumatic moment in my life that kind of spiraled me backwards a little bit I would say yep and um so sorry it's just getting a little emotional so I had to kind of refine myself again and so I I've doing the same thing you know going through something that made itself available to me I'm taking those lessons and trying to get back to where I was but I've got so much respect for you doing that because it's very hard not to get caught up in the stuff that's happening so for you to mentally be able to take a step back and try and address what you're going to learn from it at the time in the present moment is a skill because 
not many people have the strength or even the 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 mental strength to take a step back and analyze especially in the moment it's normally after something's happened you then have to think oh i need to learn from this this is a huge mistake but you seem to be doing it in the actual moment it's happening which is that's that's some serious shit well i'm i mean not always um and <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know I mean, there, there still are those moments. It's like, but yes, it's the fact that I can actually be aware that I that I need to need to do something. I need to switch it up because if 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 the only way to be able to go through it is to change up what it is that I have been doing. You can't expect change if you don't change. So, you know, there have been times where shit's going on. Yeah. But I don't know what to do to change it. So I just have to basically sit and wait and figure it out and hope that the sign comes my way. Yeah, you, you word it a lot better than me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we need to laugh right now. So, moving on from those roles and obviously those moments in your life and you'd, you know, you'd had a a really good success as your debut. Not many people can say they've done a film like Clerks as their first real go at it, especially in film itself. Morats wasn't meant to be. Chase and Amy wasn't meant to be. Have you since then kept in contact with Kevin? Do you now and then speak to him? Do you know, you know, what's going on or... Is it kind of faded away? Well, I mean, the thing is, and, and what most people don't know, is like because I have such a great relationship with some of the people that I've worked on Clerks that it's presumed, I, I guess, that that goes beyond those that I do have that connection with and that, that, that great relationship with. and it, But it, it never really passed itself on to Kevin in the sense of it's like oh he's on my phone and I can call him whenever I want or I have his email it's it's not like that we have a working relationship I have respect for him and what he's done in his life and what he's able to been to accomplish um you know unfortunately it's you know it's not what's happened in my life um you know I I'm as I told a friend of mine not too long ago is like I suck at business and that's why I feel like it's not really transpired in the way that I would have hoped. Yeah. Um but you know uh I whenever I see Kevin at whether it be at a convention or if I go and see one of his shows I mean I'm always at least able to contact somebody on his team if we will uh if i wanted to attend a babylon show or something like that i mean i've been able to do that for the most part um and uh, when when we've seen kevin at a convention we're able to say hello g- give hugs and and not exactly catch up because he's busy it's like he's on the move <laughs> and uh but you know, I like I said, I I have respect for him, and and uh, obviously would hope to be able to get to work with him again in the future, as as well as hope to get to work with Brian again because, gosh, it's, it, we had the history of working together before Clerks, and then since Clerks, haven't really had a chance to get to work together again, so I missed that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, it's pretty much it. <laughs> And then obviously you've talked a few times today about the conventions and this is something I really respect and admire how much you go for and do for your fans and you and Brian and I see Ming and all these people in the View Skew universe go out and you do these conventions and it gives those people like myself that are huge fans of the early work chances to meet you and it's amazing to see how responsive you are on Facebook and how much you respond to all the fans and it must be still lovely to have that... um, that love and respect for clerks after so many years and these fans coming out to meet you and want to share stories with you. It must be a dream. It really is something that I do love. Yeah. Um, and, and when it was first mentioned to me 
long time ago. This is when the internet was still kind of new, to be honest. Um, I was sent an email by someone uh, to see if I'd be interested in attending conventions, something that I had never heard of before. And he had told me a list of his clients, and I was like, awesome, I know some of these people. I can question them about it. And so I did, and I was like, get out. People really would pay for my autograph. It's like they were, they're going to like me enough that they're going to pay me for that. Um, so, I mean, that was one thing that was like mind-boggling. But going to the conventions, meeting the fans, hearing their stories – I love Halloween, by the way, so actually going to a place where people are dressed up in costumes, loved that. Yeah, it's a dream. Um, the The fact that many of these people take the time to make these costumes and you see the workmanship in these things is amazing. So it's just, there's just so much to it that I do love. But for me... When the fans come to me and tell me their stories of how much the film or I have inspired them inspires me and drives me to keep working for this dream, to keep fighting for it, that, I mean, I know I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. I know everybody's not going to like my performance, um, but... I know there are some people that do and some people that are going to love it. So just like I have a love-hate with many people as well, as far as in the entertainment business, as actors or whatever it is. Um, so it, it, that's something for me that I, that I do love to do. Um, and, and that I get to do it with people that I worked with in a film that I love and, and the people that I love as well. So, so you just mentioned then the dream what what is the dream now for you cuz you know at this stage in your career i've seen some of your other roles and i really enjoyed them i watched a film called lake erie which i thought was great i yeah. saw i saw a film not too long ago called i think it was rogue warrior robot fighter if that's the full correct yes. term yes and i enjoyed that and i thought it was great and what is the dream for you now what is the kind of goals you've set yourself to really be able to quit my day job, my survival jobs, yeah. I should say, survival jobs, and really put all of my focus in the continued acting work that hope, that would come my way, and as well as directing as well, because I recently, I've been wanting to direct for quite a while, and last year got together with a film group so that we can create our own content. And in December, we were able to shoot three of eight short films, and I directed one. But then I also still have another one that I wrote to yet direct as well. So, I mean, I know that's going to be a process. And, you know, just, just like I was green when I first started acting, I'm green with the directing. But in a sense, that's like I feel I have some experience having been in front of the camera, as well as behind the camera doing other things that I'm able to give something in the directing versus someone who's never directed or never even acted before. Yeah. So it sounds exciting. It sounds like you're getting involved in projects. You're doing what you want to do, and the dream would be that you just get to do it all day, every day, and those annoying jobs that you have to do to pay the bills aren't <laughs> right. there. Yeah, that's that's the dream, I suppose. <clears throat> well, and, and the thing is, you have to keep active you have to keep busy in what it is that you want to do you can't just wait for it to happen so you have to make it happen and so that's why I'm keeping busy and, and as best I can but sometimes sometimes the busy gets the better of me and um, it's, it's hard to have a social life when you're trying to keep your head above water and trying to do everything that you need to do to be able to make it yeah, and to keep all those plates spinning is hard. To keep, you know, uh, uh, the jobs coming in, to pay for the mortgage, to live in a house, to keep the bills paid, as well as yeah. sleeping, as well as doing the things you love. I run two podcasts as well, which are getting quite well known now and established, but I can't afford to quit the job. If I could, I would, but it's trying right. to get the right balance. But sometimes 
it's it one outweighs the other and you know i'm sure you're exhausted because you're trying to do everything well, yeah yes <laughs> and, yes and it's um, tough and sometimes sometimes it's 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 not even exhaustion as well i mean but sometimes it's so difficult to think it's difficult to focus and and just sit in the moment of what it is that you have to do at hand at, at that moment um and not think about all the trillion other things that need to be done and, and you just touched base about working on a project at the end of last year and you got to direct and you said you were very green but you've still got to do it you've also mm-hmm. written and you've got something else to direct but what is the future looking like at the moment for you i've seen there's quite a few upcoming projects on your imdb page there's a few different things you're getting involved in i do you feel like you're, you're content at the moment or is there a long way that you want to go into your you know you're ticking off those kind of wish lists there's still a long way to go to being content <laughs> yeah that's fair at least that's um, honest so let's see at the moment i've got footage to go through um on on the one film that on the short film that i did direct yep i uh am waiting for the latest film that i did with neil johnson who also wrote and directed rogue warrior robot fighter as well as three other films, sci-fi films that he did. And uh, the latest one that he did was Evolution War. So hopefully that will be out within the next few months, hopefully. Um, And I've got, as you mentioned, um, there's quite a few things in pre-production and development that's on my IMDb. But unfortunately, until those actually fall and, and contracts are done and I'm on set with them out of mind and out of body because all too quickly out of experience you know many things don't happen because of funding so yeah <laughs> and um you know just getting together with the film group and and uh getting things going so that we can hopefully get the funding to finish what we have started um, and then some other projects uh, in the future. Uh, one convention that I can absolutely say that is coming up, because it's been announced already, is I will be in Washington State at Palyaloop, I think that's how it's pronounced, in May for a convention. Brilliant. So looking forward to that. And then um, hope hope to get some other things in the near future and and you know it'd be nice uh, with it being the 25 year anniversary if other conventions and promoters were kind of, would you know bring along a reunion <laughs> that, that would be awesome but as of right now Washington state is the only one going on right now i have seen a few posts on instagram from um brian and people and i'm sure it's going to get quite busy i can see a lot of people wanting that you know at their event and you know what conventions are like you were saying at the start when you first started out you heard about this first convention and they weren't you know very um popular and now there's conventions on every week every single weekend there's a different convention so i i dream of hopefully you guys coming to the uk and doing something for clerks i think it'd be fantastic and i think the response would be huge Oh my god, that would be so awesome! It's we have been trying to get out to the UK. I can't even tell you for how long it's been so long, but you know, most people don't understand that there is a process. Just because we actors want to be at a convention doesn't mean that we can be. Um, we have to be contracted by the promoters, and so unless the promoters want to have us there want to to contract us to be there it's we're not going to be there (laughs) we need to make it happen and i know a lot of people that do a lot of conventions so hopefully it'll be something we do get to see one day yeah so hopefully and at the moment with everything that's gone on obviously this this talk today's got quite emotional but um are you happy are you in a place that you're you said you're a long way from being content, but are you, are you happier now? Are you in a better place? I mean, I'm definitely in a better place than I was a couple of months ago. It's like the end of and beginnings of the year are always very difficult ones um, when things kind of slow down and there isn't a lot happening. And then you kind of worry about, oh, my God, these bills are due. How will I pay them? Uh, <laughs> 
So it's it's always uh, a fear and terror uh, on that end. Um, but yeah, things things are getting a little bit better now, and I am working on getting myself in a better headspace and uh, being positive, being proactive, and so yeah, you know, working on it. I'm really grateful for your time today and I'm really grateful of how honest you've been. You've let your guard down, you've been you and I think the fans and the people that listen to this podcast will really respect how honest you've been. Thank you. I mean, I, I try to be an open book. I mean, yes, there are certain things that, you know, people don't need to know, but <laughs> um, I I pride myself on being as honest as possible without being hurtful. <laughs> it goes a long way and it means a lot and it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today thank you so much so there it is there's my interview with me and Marilyn Gigliotti and as I did warn you at the start of today's interview it did get quite deep it got very emotional and it got very very heavy but that just shows how much Marilyn trusted me and how much I trust her and I think the interview was one of my favorites to date I love Marilyn, I think she's a fantastic actress, I love what she's done in her career and I wish her all the best with whatever comes her way. I really hope she makes it over here with the other guys from Clerks soon and we can kind of have a drink and celebrate because I've absolutely loved her coming on this episode and she's one of the nicest people I've ever spoke to and I just am so grateful for the time she's given me. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview too. As always guys, it's time now to plug my podcast a bit more. If you can get onto markandme.com, on there there's my Twitter, which you can follow. You can go on my Instagram and give me a follow. You can go on my Facebook and like my page. Or you can just go and email me. I read every email, I read every tweet, every Facebook comment. Whenever you leave a review, I'll tweet it out there and put it on Facebook. I'm as interactive as I can be and I love every single response that you guys send my way. So please keep them coming. As always, I do have a Mark and Me Patreon page. More people have signed up and I've given away some awesome pops and t-shirts recently and it's been great to see the winners posting their pictures out there. You can sign up there for as little as sort of 70p a month and right now you're getting four episodes a month. So that's something like 17p each or something like that, which is just crazy. But if you don't want to, that's absolutely fine. The podcast will always be free. But it just helps me and all the money goes straight back into the pot and gives me a chance to travel and do more and more episodes, which means you get more and more episodes. Everyone, right now, I'm not going to lie, my next guest is very, very big. I'm not talking like seven foot, I'm talking a huge name. It's one that I've wanted for a very long time and I wish I could announce it right now, but I don't. You know the score by now, I'm not going to sit here and reveal it. But there will be clues going out in the next few days. And I'm sure some of you will get it straight away from the first clue. But it's a big, big one. And I can't wait for you all to hear it. Again, just before I go, I want to thank Marilyn for taking the time to come on the podcast. And most importantly, thank you guys for all listening. I'll be back in a week's time. And until then, take care. Try so hard to be what you hold.